joining us online and our friends at Trio. Open with me to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're not actually, uh, we're, if you're new here, we're actually going through the series of Mac, Gospel of Matthew, but taking a break this week because this is a New Year's Day. Um, just want to focus on what could be our goal, like a possible goal for this year. Uh, that's the focus. And as we were thinking about it, and, you know, we were also talking like, okay, this is the year. This is the time of the year when people start making resolutions, uh, even Christians, right? Uh, good things. We want to have positive change towards our life and, and, uh, and all that. So in that is if we're not careful, these goals could become in on itself, right? Think about it. If you want to read the Bible more this year, that could be the goal. That's a worthy goal. But if you're not careful, that is it. That is it just reading the Bible. But what is the goal to read the Bible? That is to know God. Right? He has revealed his word to us so that we could know him and we could love him. He revealed it to us. And so that's the goal. That's what I want. I mean, it's nothing new here. Uh, just thinking like, okay, this is not new, but what I want to do is inspire you all so that we could know Christ like the way Paul did. And we could grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ the way Paul did. And so it's more like a topical sermon, just warning you ahead of time. Uh, but what I want, as I read the verses, uh, I want you to focus on just the love the Apostle Paul had for the Lord. You know, the language he uses, his emotion, his zeal, his enthusiasm, his love for the Lord, his love for the church. I'm going to read several verses, but I want you to all focus on just his heart. See if you can capture his heart. And may that Lord lead us and inspire us to follow Jesus like the way Paul did. And I'm not being heretical here because even chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, whatever he's doing, he says, join in imitating me. And so, that is the motive. Holy Spirit thought it was fit to, for us to know and imitate Paul. So it's in here. So, Paul and Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1. This is God's word, Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which makes it God's word for us today. I want to remind you that these are not idle words. These are God's words. So, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you in each and every prayer of mine. For you all are making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you, for I hold you all in my heart because you're partakers with me in this grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection that is from Christ Jesus. 
And my prayer to you is that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless at the day of Christ Jesus filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from our Lord to the glory and praise of God the Father. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has made known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm here for the gospel. And the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Whether in truth or in pretense, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. And yes, I will rejoice because I know through your prayers and through the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out to be my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope, now as always, that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage Christ is honored in my body, whether it's by my life or by my death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is again. My life is Christ. If I am to live in this flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard Press between the two. My desire is to go and be with Christ because it is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So convinced of this, I will ensure that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy. So that in me you may have ample reason to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I may hear of you, I know that you're standing firm in one, one faith and in one spirit, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This will be a sure sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that is from God, that it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but you should suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you've seen in me and heard about it. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, complete my joy of being in the same mind and in the same love and in the same Spirit and all in full accord. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that though he's in the form of God, did not count equality with God, thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, and having been found in human form, he humbled himself and became a servant, 
And having been found in human form, he humbled himself. He became a servant. To the, became a man and to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of that, God has highly, highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord. That every tongue, every tongue, everyone that lived on this planet would one day say, Jesus is the Lord. And because of that, brothers and sisters, work out your own salvation just as you've obeyed in my presence, not only in my presence, but also in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Knowing that God is the one who's at work in you for his own will and good pleasure, do all things without grumbling or complaining so that you may be pure and blameless, innocent children of God in the midst of a crooked and a twisted generation among whom you shine as lights by holding fast to the word of life so that at the day of Christ I shall be proud that I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. If I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon sacrificial offering upon your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. And likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. I have no one like him that is genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, but not that of Timothy, not that of Christ, but you know Timothy has proven his worth. How is the son to a father striving with me in this gospel? So I'm, I'm going to send him to you once I see how things go with me here. And I trust in the Lord that I myself will come to you shortly. I thought it was necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, your minister and messenger, and my fellow laborer and soldier. He is longing to see you and was distressed that you heard him. He was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him to you, so you may rejoice at his coming, and I may be less anxious. Receive him in the Lord, and honor such men, because he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to fulfill what was lacking in your service for me. Finally, my beloved, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is of no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the true circumcision, who worship God in the spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though myself, have a reason for having confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks that he has reason for having confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day 
of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I, whatever gain I had, I count them as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake. I've counted them. I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him and not having a righteousness of my own that's based on the law, but the righteousness that comes through faith. The righteousness that comes from God through faith so that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I may share his sufferings and becoming like him in his death so that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this, nor I'm perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I'm pressing on because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The Lord at whom every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord has made me his own. That great God has made me his own. And of course I will press on I haven't obtained this or I'm perfect, but I'll press on because he has made me his own. Brothers, let those of us who are mature think this way. And in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold fast to what you've already received. Brothers, join in imitating me. And watch out for those whom we have set as an example for many whom I've told you often and now I tell you with tears. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. And their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame and put their minds on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from which we await a Savior who would change our lowly bodies into his glorified bodies through the power that has enabled him to subject all things under him. Therefore, my beloved, whom I love and long for, my crown and my joy, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm. That is that man's heart, where his outlook towards ministry, his life. You've seen how he is demonstrating his love for the Lord and for the church. You see how he wants to press on, wants to know and grow in Christ. We have an example in our own 
church. Been observing this man for the last two years, and and he's sitting right in front of me. It's kind of awkward, but when I thought about this letter, I thought about Pastor Mike and his heart and his love. In the last two years, how he's been helping me to love this church. And I'm saying this with all sincerity. When Paul says, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example. That's who I was thinking about. Hope in all sincerity, all faithfulness, I would follow the same. The reason I've recited or read part of it or whatever it is, is just to inspire, hopefully, to store God's word in your heart this year. Because even Pharisees know God's word. But we don't know whether they're saved or not. So if you mean if you if you're a Pharisee, it's kind of like you have an old te- you have a PhD in the Old Testament. But they're the ones that were fighting with the Lord, arguing against him, his ways. But the Bible knowledge itself doesn't save us. What saves us is the relationship. So finally getting to the big idea is that may we know Christ daily and grow in him constantly this year. To know Christ. What is Paul saying? Just one verse we're going to look at is that I may know him in chapter 3 verse 7. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So for him to know Christ He's saying no to something and saying yes to something. So he's saying no to his identity, he who is as a man, as a Jewish man, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as a tribe from Benjamin, and then his education, his work, his occupation, everything. He's counting them as loss. Why? So that he can know Christ. That's the goal. He's doing that so that he can know Christ and then he can gain Christ. So he counted them as rubbish, and then he's counting them as rubbish still. It wasn't just one-time act. He's actively doing it. Day after day after day, he's saying, I'm saying no to this because I want this. So what is this yes? It is he tells us that I may know him. So obviously it involves knowledge, right? We want to know more about Jesus. That means we want to know more about God's word. We want to study God's Word. We want to immerse ourselves in God's Word. We want to know more about what He has to say to our lives, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, what He has revealed about Himself. Just think about if, uh, what our lives would look like if we don't have God's Word. What would we even know about Jesus Christ? What would we know about who created everything? But God graciously revealed it to us so that we would actually know him. We would know him, that I may know him. I want to encourage you to spend this year going through the Bible reading plan. Not saying this because we have come up with this. But I want to urge you, it doesn't have to be this plan, but any plan. 
Have a consistent reading plan. Consistent Bible reading plan. So that you don't, you're not just picking and choosing what you want to read. The plan that already is there. So you read God's word every day. If I'm you, and if I'm trying to figure out every day what I'm going to read, I'm just going to read what I want to read. But we want the full word for us to be a mature Christian. We want all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So immerse yourself in God's word to know Christ. It's like, tell me more, Lord, tell me more. I want to know more about you. I want to know everything you do. I want to know what it means for you to die on the cross. I want to know what it means to sweat, bled before it. I want to know whether you were laughing when Peter's mouth started looking like his feet. I want to know everything. I want to know you, Lord. It just involves us immersing ourselves in the Word. It's like, it's like a marriage relationship, right? One of the advice when I was dating Shelly, I'm glad she's not here, advice given to me was just use these four-letter words for your marriage to thrive. And if anyone is dating here or you know, even married couple, I would actually encourage you to use this as often as you could for your marriage to thrive. And it's just four letters. It's four words. You won't forget. It is, tell me more, honey. That's it. She said, use it. Tell me more, honey. You don't have to fake it. But it's that idea that we want to know more about Jesus. Tell me more, Lord. Keep talking. I want to listen from you. And I want to respond to you in prayer. But keep talking to me. And he doesn't stop there. He says the power of his resurrection. To know Christ means to know the power that has raised Jesus from the dead. The power of his resurrection. Every time we're tempted to sin, it's that power of his resurrection is what helping us to avoid the temptation. Every time we're doubting our faith, it's that same power that has enabled Jesus will also enable us. That's the one. The power of his resurrection means that we get this new identity, new life. That's what Paul wanted. So basically, Christianity, to just sum it up, it's not an addition for Paul. It's like I have my perfect life, and then I just put Jesus on top of it, and my life is great. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He says, Christ is my life. It's not just I know about the life of Jesus. No, Jesus is my life. That's what he means when he says, for to me to live is Christ. I'm not adding Jesus into my perfect life. I'm saying Jesus himself is my life. I'm counting other things as lost so that I can gain him. The power of his resurrection because I got this new identity, new life. And then I may share his sufferings. Being like Jesus, to know him even in a personal way, 
does, in, does involve suffering. It doesn't suffer, it's not the same suffering that when we sin and we're just facing consequences. It's a suffering for righteousness sake. It's a suffering that we face when we are being persecuted for what we do is the right thing. Paul, to, just to illustrate this, in 2 Corinthians, when he's talking to the Corinthians, he talked about how he got 40 minus 1 lashes from the Jewish people three times. Two years later, he's writing to the Romans and saying, in Romans 9, how he has this unceasing anguish and pain for his fellow brothers to know Jesus. He's saying that the people that are actually trying to kill me, I'm actually burdened for their salvation. I'm not blocking them out on Facebook or Twitter. I'm not just trying to be champion for the gospel and getting mad at them. No, I'm actually in tears for them to know Christ. That's what he says at the end of this chapter. In verse 18, for many whom I have often told you, and now I tell you even with tears. Who are those people he's talking about? He's talking about the enemies of the cross. This is not what Jesus did for us. Did he not die for us while we were still sinners? And Paul is saying, I'm not like actively seeking suffering. But when it comes, I want to suffer well for Christ's sake. That means me participating in Christ's suffering so that I can know him better. I can know what it means for him to suffer for righteousness sake. I can know what it means to suffer for your enemies. When I participate in that, not trying to avoid it, and I'm not running towards it, but when it comes, when the test comes, I want to pass. And then lastly, he says, and that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. I could not figure out what that verse meant, meant so I've looked up some, did some research, and finally concluding with D.A. Carson that he said, what does it mean that it's not like he is not sure or he just wants to attain his own resurrection, but he's saying that when either if I die now and I'm going to go be with Jesus as a resurrection or if Jesus is coming back and I would have a resurrection, it doesn't matter which one it is. I will have it. That's what it means for us to be fully knowing Christ, for us to know Christ because what happens when we are resurrected, we will be like him. Knowing Christ is to know him, the transformation power, to share his sufferings, and becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Church, that's what we do. We want to know Christ. And then how do we grow? That's from verse 12. He says, I press on. So these things that I've just explained, Paul is not just satisfied with the past glories that happened in 2022. He wants to press on for this new year. He's not content with what he has achieved. He's not content with his heavenly vision or seeing a risen Christ. He wants more. So he keeps pressing on. He keeps pressing on. 
He's not just pouting or sitting and wasting his tears because of the past losses. He's forgetting all those things and straining forward for what lies ahead. He's leaving the good and the bad, pressing forward so that he can achieve the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I hope, by God's grace, we will do this year. This year of 2023, may we resolve to seek him daily. Just imagine if the Lord gives us the end of 2023, what would our lives look like if we could say on the 31st of 2023, December 31st, that, hey, by God's grace, I persevered. Yes, there were ups and downs, but I was able to move forward. I've grown in my relationship with Jesus like I've never done it before. Just imagine what would that be like. So let's strive for it. Let's focus. Let's be diligent. And like Paul, if something is hindering you to follow Christ, let's give up. Whatever it is, sin or the hobby that is not helping you to pursue Christ, let's give up. Let's consider those as loss so that you can gain Christ. We want to close us with this illustration. I think it helps us to understand why Paul was doing what he was doing. Uh, imagine, just imagine... Uh, Guy driving his 2005 Honda Civic. Just, just saying. I'm not against it. I'm just saying Honda Civic. 2005 Honda Civic. Is that what you drive? Accord. Okay. So Honda Accord. Yes. So <laughs> let's just stay with Civic. And so he's driving his Civic and got in an accident and he totaled his car. That's why let's just stay with Civic totally car and got wounded pretty bad and this total stranger driving by sees him and this man is driving this brand new Mercedes just hypothetical and then picks him up takes him to the hospital and while he's talking to the doctor doctor says hey we don't have this blood group and the stranger says oh mine is the same so I can give him my blood and he pays for all the medicines and in surgery and everything and the next day when the patient gets up he realizes what happened to him. He realizes the generosity that's showed by this total stranger. And he's asking the doctor, who is this person that saved me? I want to know him. I'm not knowing him because he will save me in the future. I'm knowing him because he has saved me already. And even if, for example, the doctor said, it's okay, man, he left. We don't know who it is. We won't usually at least for the sake of thanking this person, right? We would want to find out, right, who this person is. And even taking that illustration further, so for example, even if he leaves at Mercedes because this person's car got totaled and this patient driving the brand new Mercedes back home, 
the whole time by complaining that how much he misses his Honda Civic. <laughs> what would we call that person? See, for the surpassing worth of what he has received, right, Paul is not even complaining about what he, lo- what he loses, what he gave up. Because what he has received is way far better than what he gave up. May we not look back on our sacrifices. It's like the God's people, Israelites, when God saved them out of slavery and brought them to the promised land, how they were complaining that how much they miss Egypt. Let's not be those people. Let's rejoice on what we have received and press forward each day. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for helping us and saving us and giving us your righteousness so that we can now stand and come to you, God. God, may this year be a year of renewed energy and strength to pursue your son, to know him and to grow in him. Help us, God, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.